This is part three, the end of times. Listen to the rest of the series on farminggod.com or in the Apple Podcast app. Assume that you're being listened to um, and then respond accordingly. Just be careful the kind of people you're talking to because a lot of people are spies for the government. You never know who is a spy. Good morning, BICF. I love Unity Sunday. Do you love Unity Sunday? Yes. How many Christians are there in China? Nobody knows the answer to that question. I know what you're thinking. Parts one and two of this series make Christianity in China seem like a chaotic mess of uncertainty. It's definitely chaotic, but according to academics, it's anything but uncertain. Experts around the world agree Christianity is exploding at a rate the world has never seen. Here's China-based Pulitzer Prize writer Ian Johnson on China's Christian population. The government's estimate is about 23 million, but most independent estimates thought it about double that. I think you could probably safely say between 15 and 60 million. Referring to a Chinese government official, here's Time Magazine journalist David Aikman. And he says he thinks the number of China's Christians is now approximately 125 million. And Bob Fu, founder of the human rights NGO China Aid. And the projected by 2030, about 20% of China's population will be Christians. And uh, so China will essentially become the largest Christian nation. Even a longtime member of a Chinese church who preferred to not be recorded told me that, quote, there's a lot we don't understand. What we do know is that Christianity is thriving, end quote. But why is it happening? Um... Well, I mean, there's a bunch of different theories. Ian Johnson has spent the majority of the last 30 years in China, writing for the New York Times, the New York Review of Books, the New Yorker, and National Geographic, just to name a few. Here he is again on why Christianity is growing. A purely religious answer would be it's word of God that's spreading, right? And so, <laughs> uh, if you take a more sociological approach, where communist attacks on religious life have been the strongest, that's where Christianity, and especially Protestantism, has has returned the strongest. During Mao's Cultural Revolution, temples, monasteries, and all signs of religion were destroyed. The communists tried to replace it with the religion of Mao and, and, and communist ideology. That didn't work, and, and Protestantism stepped into the void um, quickly. Contrary to what everybody had predicted, it's become a permanent part of the religious landscape in China, and probably the most influential. Today, it's not just the suffering peasants in rural China attracted to Christianity. The Christian population is by and large urban, professional, white-collar people, and those are the people who are important for China's modernization. Christianity's appeal to all of China's economic classes bears an eerie resemblance to the history of Christianity in America. Welcome to America's Night of Hope with Joel and Victoria Osteen from Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. Come on. 
we are highly contagious. You, you know, like you can catch a cold, you can catch faith today. You can catch joy today. You can catch victory today. You're going to catch a new beginning today. Amen. Do you receive it? Amen. Joel Olstein is the senior pastor of America's largest church. His weekly services are seen by more than 10 million viewers each week. He lives in a 17,000 square foot mansion that has six bedrooms, six bathrooms, three elevators, and five wood-burning fireplaces. You could have the same if you just stay positive. This is America's Prosperity Gospel, one of the most attended Christian sects in the United States. But Christianity in America wasn't always like this. The first Puritans who sailed to the Promised Land were, by necessity, an interdependent commonwealth. No one was really prospering. They risked their lives to distance themselves from the hierarchical politics and religion of their homeland. According to Kevin Cruz, author of How Corporate America Created Christian America, the U.S. was indeed once a Christian nation, but that historical moment is more recent and shorter-lived than most of us think. Would you permit me the privilege of uttering a little private prayer of my own? And I ask that you bow your heads. Almighty God. In 1954, Congress followed Eisenhower's lead by formally adding the phrase, under God, to the previously secular Pledge of Allegiance. A similar phrase, in God we trust, was added to a postage stamp for the first time that year, then to paper money the following year. The biggest ceremony of its kind in post office history sees Secretary Dulles, President Eisenhower, and Postmaster Summerfield take part in the introduction of the first stamp with a religious message. During these revolutionary years, Americans were told time and time again that the nation not only should be a Christian nation, but that it had in fact always been one. The new stamp will carry to the world America's message of liberty and faith. Because of the depressed economy, Eisenhower used Christian teachings to justify intense capitalism. Within 20 years, church membership skyrocketed, and the country adopted a new American story. Over the middle decades of the 20th century, phrases like one nation under God and the God we trust became common themes in the identity of modern America. To this day, these expressions remain etched across our lives. But they speak to who we are as a people or at least who we think we might be, or perhaps should be. And it's time I think we stop taking them for granted. Thank you. All of us are joined in this effort. All of us are bound by duty and bound by God to give our full devotion to this country and its people. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America. It's a great honor to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless our divinity. God, 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 what was it that made the West so successful for so long? Former Time Magazine Beijing bureau chief David Aikman. Was it because the West happened to hit upon the right military technology or just by chance discovered 
efficient political organization, or was there something else? And many Chinese have said, we think Christianity was the secret of the dynamism of the West. Let's entertain the possibility that China's Communist Party recognizes, like Eisenhower did, the economic benefit of embracing Christianity. As a rising military superpower, a divinely mandated crusade through the resource-rich Middle East and back to Jerusalem is imaginable and scary. After all, Christians don't have a great track record of peacefully converting. But according to Ian Johnson, the Chinese government isn't jumping on the Christian train so fast. I think the government is still strong enough and they don't feel they need to co-opt religions or, or embrace religions so overtly. And I think they worry that Christianity is a foreign religion. They still have that idea. I, I think they also worry about overseas links between foreign groups and, and Chinese groups. In true totalitarian fashion, China hasn't passively acknowledged these concerns. They are acting on them. Here's Bob Fu. The Communist Party has kind of instigated a conspiracy somehow Christians are used by the West as a, a religion to overthrow the Communist Party's regime. Despite Chinese propaganda, David Aikman considers the government's acceptance of Christianity not in terms of if, rather when. Whether it happens in a peaceful, orderly way will, I think, depend upon whether China's Christians can persuade their fellow Chinese that the way to an orderly transformation of China is through restraint and respect and honor and peaceableness. Now, if that happens with China, the rest of the world will have a lot to be grateful for. The signs of a peaceful transition are already visible. Bob Fu sees an optimistic future for Christianity in China. China becomes a Christian nation, certainly it won't be, you know, the enemy of the West, and it could be the greatest ally with the United States in promoting human rights rule of law and combating the uh, Islamic uh, terrorism. Returning from China, I cynically assume that any government approval of Christianity would be coming from a place of greedy economic growth. To my surprise, Mr. Fu isn't the only one to have observed a more selfless adoption of Christianity. Writer Ian Johnson sees that local officials are aware of a moral vacuum and willing to acknowledge the potential for religion. You know, it's a mixed bag on the very local level. Officials don't see Christianity usually as a problem. They see it as a force, in fact, probably for social stability. You said that China is experiencing a great awakening of faith that is shaping the soul of the world's newest superpower. What will that mean? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I said the government doesn't want religion to be politicized, but on some level, religious ideas are inherently political because they form a system of values that is higher than any political ideal. And that puts their ultimate puts their ultimate loyalty beyond the government's control. They are not holding the government to some sort of, you know, policy, public policy standard. They're holding it to some moral authority, which tends to be stronger and more persistent. 
I spent the Chinese New Year in Shanghai, standing like sardines with millions of other Chinese. We watched the fireworks explode in a wild display of power. Once the last sparks fell behind the Pearl Tower, the military police locked arms and marched in. I leaned into the crowds as they herded us through the streets, and I lost all control. And so did Chinese leaders like Bob Fu, when in 1989, the tanks rolled into Tiananmen Square to murder innocent civilians. Mr. Fu painfully realized that for China to become a more tolerant nation, political activism alone wasn't enough. Bob Fu stands on the shoulders of thousands of other Chinese revolutionaries, lifting a distant mirror to our gaze, begging us to consider what we are missing. Traditional Christianity probably isn't the solution like it is for China. We've already had our go at it. But be kind to a neighbor, promote your political beliefs, and protest hate. But for the sake of a God, for the sake of a beloved community, and for the sake of something beyond our inherently flawed attempt at democracy, it's time for these times to end and bring forth a new American story. interested in this new American identity, subscribe to my podcast, Farming God. I will be spending the next year exploring the spiritual revolution of America's emerging generation. If you'd like to learn more about religion in China, start with Ian Johnson's new book, The Souls of China, The Return of Religion After Mao. I've linked to it in the show notes. Also, the band Taba, T-A-B-A-H, who is featured in part two of this series, released a new album this month that I've also linked to their website so you can hear their music without me blabbing. Of course, thanks to Kevin Cruz, David Aikman, Bob Fu, Paul Spring, and Grammatic for your knowledge and generosity. One more thing, Joel Osteen, please don't take that little bit personally. You seem like a nice guy and we should get coffee sometime. Please don't sue me.